0: Good morning. Welcome to the Point, the radio ministry of Life Point Baptist Church of Early, Texas. Life Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m. Morning worship at 11 a.m. We meet at the Early Chamber of Commerce at 104 East Industrial Drive in Early, Texas. You can find out more by logging on to PointToLife.wordpress.com and by following us on Facebook at facebook.com/PointToLife. As we continue our study through the Bible, let's turn to Exodus chapter five. Exodus chapter 5. We'll look at Exodus chapter 5, begin reading in verse 1. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice, to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? Get you unto your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and ye make them to rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale of the bricks, which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God." Let there more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. And the taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get you straw where ye can find it, yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So the people were scattered abroad throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten, and demanded, Wherefore have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as heretofore? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants, and they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is in thine own people." But he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle, therefore ye say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you, yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were an evil case, after it was said, Ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way, as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, the Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our savor to be abhorrent in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servant to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people, neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. The time had come for Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh to demand that he let the people go. Now, God had already told Moses that Pharaoh would refuse to let the people go, and so Moses knew that he's gonna face stiff opposition here, and he knew that Mo- that Pharaoh was going to refuse to let the people go. But Moses followed God's directions anyway, and he went forward anyway, because Moses was a man of faith, and he trusted God. Have you ever been in that situation that you looked at what you needed to do and you looked at uh, what was happening and you knew that every which way you looked at it, it was going to be a hard situation? That's the situation Moses was in. He knew that when he went to Pharaoh to demand that the people be let go, he knew that Pharaoh was going to refuse and he knew that Pharaoh was going to fight against him. He knew that Pharaoh was going to make life harder on the Israelites, yet God had told him to go and therefore Moses went before Pharaoh to demand that he let the people go. Now, as Moses goes forward in faith, he demonstrates that he is trusting God, and that's exactly what faith is. Faith is trusting God, and it's this level of faith, this level of trust that motivates obedience despite the circumstance or despite our fears. We should trust God and obey his word even if it looks like things aren't going to work out. This is true when it comes to marriage. This is true when it comes to child rearing. This is true when it comes to attending church, to worshiping the Lord and to serving the Lord. And this is true in how we conduct ourselves professionally. The Bible speaks about how we are to live our lives. And sometimes it seems like it's harder to live your life the way God would have you to live it. And it would be easier just to do it your own way and just to follow your own desires in this situation. But the Bible shows us time and time again that if we follow the Lord's will in our lives, and our marriage, in raising our children and our families and our professional lives and the way that we prioritize worship and we gather with the church and we play an active role in the church. The Bible demonstrates time and time again how God blesses that and how God uses that for his honor and his glory and how he rewards that. And so here you have Moses. He's a man of faith. He's trusting God and he's following God and he does what God tells him to do even though it doesn't seem convenient for that particular time. On the other hand, you have have Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is rejecting God. Pharaoh rejected God's authority. He didn't recognize God's right to rule the world. He didn't recognize his obligation to follow God's commandments, and therefore, Pharaoh disobeyed God and actually wound up doing the exact opposite of what God said, And this led to the nation, the entire nation, being judged. And this led to uh, Pharaoh being ultimately destroyed himself. Many times... We have disobeyed God in our lives. We have rejected his authority. There was a time before you knew Jesus Christ as your personal savior that you rejected God's authority. I can tell you that there was a time in my life before I knew the Lord, before I knew Jesus Christ as my personal savior, that I rejected God's authority in my life. I wanted to do things my own way. I wanted to experience the things that I wanted to experience. And so I had people in my life who were Christians. I had youth directors, college ministry directors, pastors in my life telling me, thus said the lord but i didn't want to follow what thus said the lord said so i did my own thing and i faced some pretty stiff consequences for that there have been times that we have distrusted the word of god well i know the bible says this but you know in my particular situation that doesn't really work when you find yourself saying that you are distrusting god's word And there have been times that we have disobeyed his direction. We have violated his law. We have broken his Ten Commandments. And the end result in those situations is destruction. Now, God is gracious in that he has given us redemption through Jesus Christ. That If we repent of our sins and we trust him as Savior, then he redeems us, he saves us, and we have eternal life to look forward to. But in the meantime, before we come to that point of of repentance, we find ourselves fighting against God oftentimes in our lives. In Exodus chapter 5, we see Pharaoh reject God's authority. We see Pharaoh directly disobey God, and then we see the harm that follows. So let's look at Pharaoh and rejecting God's authority. We look in verse 2. In verse 2 here in Exodus chapter 5, the Bible says, and Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? When Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? He wasn't asking a question. This was not curiosity. This was a rhetorical statement. He said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? He was not asking Moses, Who is God? Tell me about this God. Tell me more about this uh, God that you worship. No, he wasn't asking that. He is saying, Who is the Lord? It's rhetorical. In other words, Pharaoh was saying, who does God think he is to make such a demand that I should let Israel go? He was asking who God was that he should obey him. This was a direct challenge to God's authority. You see, Pharaoh didn't recognize God's authority. Pharaoh, in a way, viewed himself as a God and viewed himself as being equal with God. And so when Moses went before Pharaoh and said, thus saith the Lord, Pharaoh said, who does this Lord think he is? Doesn't he know that I'm in charge of Egypt? He rejected God's authority. And when Pharaoh rejected God's authority, Pharaoh didn't feel like he had to listen to God. And many people today don't recognize God's authority Many people today don't see God as a real being. They see him as a concept or an idea or a religion, but they don't actually see him as a living being. I had a conversation with a man one time, and I said, do you believe in God? And he said, well, I don't believe in God As an ascension being or a transcendent being, he used some big word, but basically he told me that he didn't believe that God was an actual being who lived, who thought, who spoke, who analyzed, who created, who did. That wasn't the kind of God he believed in. He believed in God as like a force that uh, just kind of existed in all things. Uh, His uh, his way of thinking of God was like Mother Nature. Uh, He saw like Mother Nature as being a God. So he didn't recognize that God was a real being. And those who may think that there is an idea of God or a concept of God, they don't think that God is in a position of authority. They don't see God as being on a throne, as being in control of all things. They don't recognize God as being their creator, the one who gave them life. Many think that the existence of God is contingent on their belief in him. There are many people that in their heart, they think, I don't believe in God. Therefore, God doesn't exist. God may exist for you because you believe in him, but I don't believe in him, so he doesn't exist. There are people that think that reality is an option when it comes to this, that I don't believe in God, I can't believe in God, I don't like what the Bible says, therefore I reject it, and I don't have to live by it. The problem is that God does exist. God did create all things, and God is in control, and he is in authority. But when you have millions of people who think that They don't have to listen to God, that God's not in a position of authority. Then you have millions of people who disobey God's word. And when you have millions of people who disobey God's word, you have situations like what goes on in the world today, whether you're talking about riots on college campuses, or you're talking about the tyranny or the oppression that many people overseas have to endure under the rule of an ungodly leader. And so people who don't believe that God is in authority disobey God and create problems throughout the world. We continue reading in verse two. In verse two, Pharaoh says, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Pharaoh said he didn't know the Lord. He didn't say he didn't hear about the Lord. He said he didn't know the Lord. He didn't recognize the Lord. He didn't recognize the the Lord's authority. He knew nothing of the Lord. He had no relationship with the Lord. And he would not submit to the Lord's authority. Therefore, Pharaoh refused to let Israel go. Many people today have this same attitude. They don't know the Lord. They have no relationship with the Lord. Therefore, they disobey the Lord. And that results in devastation. Our decision... To respect or reject God's authority determines our spiritual destiny. And there are two options here. The first option is to recognize and respect God's authority. We read Psalm 24, verses 1 through 2. The Bible says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the floods. These verses tell us that the earth belongs to the Lord and he is in control and he is in full authority to rule over the world. You see, he created the world, he owns the world, and therefore he makes the rules. And if you can come to that realization that God created all things, therefore he's in control of all things, therefore he makes the rules, and it's up to us to surrender and submit to that authority, when you accept that, you will come to understand the gospel. And when you come to understand the gospel, you will come to know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. That initial decision to respect and to accept God's authority is what leads to salvation. You can do that, or you can reject God's authority altogether. Rejecting God doesn't make God go away, and it doesn't give you a free pass. It doesn't allow you to step out from underneath his authority. It just sets you up to be judged by him. Remember, making the decision to reject authority doesn't mean that you have an out, that you have a waiver from that authority. It just sets you in conflict with that authority. The state of Texas has the authority to set speed limits. And the Texas Department of Public Safety has the authority to enforce those speed limits. Now, now I may decide that I don't recognize the authority of the state of Texas in setting speed limits, and I may decide... I may decide that I don't accept the authority of the Texas Department of Public Safety to enforce those speed limits. So I may decide that I can just drive as fast as I want to. I can make that decision, but ultimately, one of the state troopers is going to clock me. He's going to pull me over. At that point, I can decide to pull over and recognize his authority at that point, or I can decide not to pull over. The first option will get me a ticket. The second option will get me tased and thrown into jail for evading arrest. So, you know, the, the idea that I can just decide not to accept the authority of the state of Texas in setting speed limits or to accept the authority of the of the texas department of public safety the state troopers in enforcing those speed limits i can decide not to accept that authority and to reject that authority but ultimately i'm going to wind up in a courtroom being judged for a crime because i committed it because i didn't recognize the state's authority it works the same way with god if you reject god's authority if you reject the idea of submitting to his rule, it doesn't give you a waiver, it doesn't give you an out, it doesn't give you an alternative method of living or an alternative lifestyle. What it does is it sets you up for an eventual judgment by God. We look in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened in Romans chapter one. the Bible tells us about a people who rejected the authority of God, and when they rejected the authority of God, they began a downward spiral. They uh, became vain in their imaginations, empty in their imaginations, their foolish heart was darkened they became more evil. The Bible says, professing themselves to be to be wise, they became fools. They changed the image of the incorruptible God like that to corruptible man, and they begin to worship the the image of the creation. They worship the creation rather than the creator. Does this sound familiar, what a certain movements are doing today? And therefore, God gave them up. He allowed them to go deeper into sin, and so they wound up getting involved in some pretty egregious sins, until you get to Romans 1: 29 and 30 where judgment is pronounced upon them they began a they began by rejecting God's authority and that sparked a downward spiral that ended in their judgment the same will happen to you if you reject his authority now you may say I can be an atheist and a good person the trick to that is is that there is no such thing as a good person because we have all sinned and come short of God's glory. So choosing to reject God and his authority does not get you out from underneath that umbrella and will not spare you the judgment. Quite the opposite, accepting his authority, repenting and trusting him for salvation is what gets you out from underneath God's authority. You reject God's authority, you will find yourself in the same condition as those folks from Romans chapter one who rejected God's authority and experienced that downward spiral, that Ended with their judgment. And so we have the rejection of God's authority. The second thing we have here is how Pharaoh disobeyed God. And so we have the disobedience, of, the disobedience toward God, disobeying God. Pharaoh did exactly the opposite of what God told him to do. We look in verse two. It says, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. That was Pharaoh's words. I know not the Lord, Neither will I let Israel go. As a result of his rejection of God, Pharaoh directly disobeyed God. Instead of letting Israel go, he held them as slaves. Instead of allowing them to worship, he worked them harder. As he disobeyed God, as we read later on in the book of Exodus, as he disobeyed God, God increased the judgment against him and against the nation of Egypt. Now people today directly disobey God when they disobey his commandments. And we look at the Ten Commandments and we look at what the Ten Commandments tells us. The Ten Commandments tells us to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And my question is, do we do that? Do we honor the Sabbath, do we keep it holy? Or is Sunday just another day? We may go to church Sunday morning but then after that it's just another day. Do we actually set aside a day for God? Do we do that? The the Bible tells us in the Ten Commandments that thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not lie is the way that we... Uh say that in everyday language thou shalt not lie. Do we lie to each other? Do we say things that aren't true? Do we The Bible tells us the the Bible doesn't actually say thou shalt not lie. It says thou shalt not bear false witness. Do we bear false witness? Do we share stories about other people that we don't know to be true? Do we do we gossip, all right? The Bible tells us thou shalt not steal. Have you ever taken anything that doesn't belong to you? The Bible says to covet not your neighbor, nor his wife, nor his donkey. Do you ever look at what your neighbor has and think, you know what? I should be the one to have all that. The Bible tells us, thou shalt not kill. Jesus told us that if we held, if we held undue anger toward somebody, unjust anger toward somebody, that was the same as murder. Have we ever done that? Have you ever committed adultery? The Bible says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Have you ever had sex outside of marriage? Have you ever looked upon somebody with lust? The Bible tells us, uh, the Bible defines sin. And so often, um, people break God's Ten Commandments and don't realize that they are disobeying God and that the reason they're disobeying God is because they're not recognizing or accepting his authority. The Bible tells us, In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, to let us consider one another, to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're supposed to be getting together as Christians and getting to know each other, learning each other, and encouraging each other to great things, not turning away from the assembly and convincing ourselves that we don't need church to be a Christian, are we doing what the Bible says and gathering with our brothers and sisters in Christ and learning from them and learning about them and encouraging them to do great things or are we isolating ourselves? John thirteen thirty four. Jesus says that we are to love one another as he has loved us. Do we follow that commandment of our Lord or do we harbor resentment for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? People today directly disobey God when they disobey his commandments. And that disobedience comes from a rejection of God's authority. You disobey God when you reject his authority. And if you do this, God will chastise you for that. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 and 7 say, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? If you as a Christian sin against God, God will discipline you and he will steer you, sometimes unpleasantly, back into his will. But if that happens, that's a good thing because it recognizes that you are a child of God. If you're not a child of God, he's not going to be nearly as proactive as putting you back on the right path. And so we see the disobedience of God and what that leads to. It leads to the chastisement of God and it leads to negative consequences in our lives. Now, the last thing I'd like to look at here from Exodus chapter five is the effect of disobeying God and how rejecting God and disobeying him destroys lives. We look at what Pharaoh did. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Pharaoh rejected God and made the conscientious decision to disobey God. And in disobeying God, Pharaoh not only decided not to let the people go, but he increased their burdens. He increased their workload and he made life harder on the Israelites. The Israelites we in charge of making the bricks that were used to build the wonders of Egypt. And the way it worked was the Egyptians would bring the straw, the Israelites would bring the mud and mix it all together, do the formation, and make the bricks. Pharaoh said, well, we're just not going to give you all straw anymore, but you still have to make the same amount of bricks. And so this, in essence, doubled the workload for the Israelites, because now, in addition to having to gather the mud and the sod and everything they used to make the bricks, they have to go out and find straw as well. And they have to go to the places that were not producing straw by the Egyptians. So they had to go out and find their own straw. So you can see how this would easily double the workday for the Israelites. And when they weren't able to meet their quota, they were beaten. And many of them lost their lives in that beating. Pharaoh deliberately made life harder for the people of God. And what we see here is we see destruction happening. First of all, we see destruction destruction happening on the Israelites because Pharaoh had ordered it. When one man turns against God, it can affect everyone around him. Your negative choices, your decision to disobey God and to fight against God can affect everyone around you, your closest friends, and your closest family members. And nowhere is this concept clearer than when a family... Has a member get addicted to drugs? Have you ever known anybody that a member of their family got addicted to drugs, wound up going to jail, wound up being incarcerated, wound up stealing from other members of the family or from friends to... Uh, steal items to hawk to get money to buy drugs. Have you ever seen this happen? Maybe this has happened in your own family. You know, parents who get addicted to drugs and wind up abandoning their children, that has a massive effect on those children and, 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 and an effect that will last for the rest of their lives. Nowhere Is the effect of sin clearer on other people than when you see one person get addicted to drugs? You also see this with adultery. When you have one parent that decides to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend and leaves the home to reside with that boyfriend and that girlfriend. And the devastation that is poured out into that family as a result of that. You see this with theft, you know, a stolen car and the financial ruin that car theft can have on a family or on an individual. You know, most insurance policies don't cover theft. And so you've got this $20,000 car that you're paying on every month. Somebody steals it. The bank still wants their monthly payment and the insurance hasn't paid for it. You see this with murder. A good friend of mine, uh, her father was murdered, and she still has to deal with the effects of that today. And we can talk about the so-called big sins, but what about the sins that no one sees? Even the sins, which seem to have no direct victim, can affect those around you. So be aware of how your actions can hurt others. Pharaoh, in his decision to oppress the Israelites, had a massive impact on the Israelites, but ultimately, his entire nation would come to be judged for that, and that affected his own people as well. Pharaoh would go on to face God's judgment, and so Pharaoh's sin affected him too. God would destroy Pharaoh's kingdom, and Pharaoh, many historians believe he was killed when he tried to cross the Red Sea, and God brought it back together after the last of the Israelites had gotten out. Sin and rebellion against God never goes unchecked. If you are a child of God, he will discipline you. He will chastise you. If not, he will judge you. Seems like I remember learning in school there was a famous physicist, a famous scientist that said, For every action, there is equal and opposite reaction. You see, the great lie that Satan tells to people, that he has been telling people since day one, is that there are no consequences to sin. That is a lie. Satan convinces you of that. He, he convinces you. He tries to convince you that if you do sin, there's actually a certain amount of freedom that goes along with that. That's exactly what he told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He told them, in the day that you eat this fruit, you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. And they thought that by eating this fruit, they were gonna be elevated to the same level as God, and they were gonna be just as powerful as he, but that wasn't what happened. What happened is they became keenly aware of sin, and they wound up being banished from the garden, And then their bodies begin to age until the day they died. There are always consequences for sin. That decision you make to disobey God will have ramifications for you down the road, and they will not be good. And so what we learn from Exodus chapter 5 is that when given the opportunity, repent, turn away from your sin, and turn toward the Lord. And he offers forgiveness and redemption and reconciliation when you do that. This morning, I'd like for you to come visit with us at LifePoint Baptist Church. We meet at 104 East Industrial Drive in Early. That is inside the Early Chamber of Commerce. Come on in the door and come on to the back to the conference room. That's where we'll be meeting. If you'd like more information on us, you can look us up online, pointtolife.wordpress.com. You can also look us up on Facebook at facebook.com to life. I hope you have a blessed day today. May God bless you may God keep you, will always be my daily prayer. See you next week here on The Point.